District of Conservation is sponsored by CFACT. To learn more about our sponsor, head over to CFACT.org. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Happy Tuesday, everyone. It's Gabriella Hoffman. I hope you're enjoying the podcast and enjoyed yesterday's episode with the interview and some news items. Today, I wanted to drop in quickly to talk about two fascinating subjects. One being an article from Politico that I found to be super riveting as it relates to politics and gun ownership and trends. And then I want to talk a little bit about Yellowstone having a record-breaking premiere. When I have talked about and brought on people from the firearms industry, whether it's Stephen Gutowski, people from NSSF, those in shooting sports, we have often talked about in a political frame of mind whether or not gun rights can be a bipartisan issue again. And it's not just a Republican issue because sadly, kind of from my periphery and kind of from my view, and I think most of our views who comment on firearms frequently, it doesn't seem like there are many pro-Second Amendment Democrats out there, especially on the national landscape. And that is upsetting. The Second Amendment is supposed to be for everyone, regardless of your political orientation. But it seems that that national party especially doesn't adhere to that, and they continue to double down on gun control, on restrictionist gun policies. And according to this Politico article, I think they're going to see some blowback from continued support of gun control policies. And I'm going to read for you what that means. From Politico, and this is entitled from their magazine, Opinion, Democrats should ditch the anti-gun rhetoric if they want to survive 2022. And the tagline is, key components of the party, women, black people, and Latinos, are increasingly gun owners. And this is from Richard Feldman, an attorney and government affairs expert from New Hampshire. And he says that guns are the issue that people should be focusing on, especially if Democrats want to repair their relationships with key voter groups, the aforementioned ones that I listed. And he writes that Democrats need to learn how to talk about firearms rights and crime issues without demonizing millions of gun owners and voters who own guns. What Democrats don't realize is the very voters they are losing by the tens of thousands each cycle are also the people who account for the largest surge of new firearms sales. And when I spoke to Stephen Gutowski last before we had him come on to talk about Virginia election results and the Supreme Court case, he and I talked about whether or not Democrats will moderate their positions on firearms and ever campaign on gun rights ever again. And this guy is exploring something similar that we discussed. And he says, these voters may be animated by many different issues, but their new status as gun owners places them in a group that is specifically attuned to how candidates from both parties talk about gun rights. Most gun owners define themselves as Republicans, but in a tight race where a margin of 0.15% to 2% really matters, a relatively small number of Democratic and independent gun owners can alter important electoral outcomes at both the state and national levels. In New Jersey, for example, Edder, a truck driver and political neophyte, just beat State Senate President Steve Sweeney by 2,300 votes. Durr said he decided to challenge Sweeney because he couldn't get a concealed carry permit. Former Virginia Democratic Governor Terry McAuliffe's gun control message, which started with a ban on assault weapons, was heard loud and clear, a 1% shift, and he would have won. It's worth noting that the right to carry is at the heart of one of the most important gun cases to come before the Supreme Court. And we talked about this case with Stephen. And Democrats can continue to oppose gun rights 
to carry their weapons safely and legally, alienating an increasingly important segment of society and their potential voting electorate. Or they can reposition themselves in support of gun owners on reforms aimed at keeping guns out of the hands of dangerous people. If the Democratic Party believes that the continuation of a republic requires maintaining a majority in the House or Senate in 2022, and I argue it does, their candidates need to pivot in support of gun rights in order to win. That's a very strong statement. And if you want to read more from this excellent article in Politico, I encourage you to do so. Because like I said, I'm as conservative as they come. But I believe the Second Amendment shouldn't be politicized where it's only just amenable to one party or one demographic. It should be available to everyone. And Democrats should be able to conceal carry, but they shouldn't be advancing gun control policies. And I jest. But anyway, I think, like we had talked about before on the podcast, do we see the gun vote be animated? Do we see gun control motivating people to vote in the opposite in support of Second Amendment rights? Does it move from a wedge issue to a top campaign issue going forward? Is the trends pointing in favor of gun rights in the Second Amendment going to lead to people voting with their gun interests at hand and abandoning one party in favor of the other? That remains to be seen. But if you see articles like this in Politico... That's a lot of warning signs that Democrats could possibly be in trouble if they continue down this gun control route, especially national Democrats. And I want to add that I've noticed that Democrats in state legislatures tend to be more conservative on gun issues or in support of the Second Amendment. That's not to say all Democrats are not, but you see Democrats who purport to be gun owners and they support gun control, which is counterproductive in my view. But it also is interesting to see that will people who may have been voting traditionally Democrat who pick up guns, do they change their behavior to vote independent or to eventually move to the Republican column? That remains to be seen, but this article is great. Check it out and let me know what you think. This is from Variety regarding Yellowstone season four's premiere, groundbreaking premiere with 14.7 million viewers with no streaming. And this was issued on November 12th, last Friday. They write in Variety that Paramount Network's Yellowstone came galloping back to TV after more than a year-long absence as its two-part season four premiere on linear TV soared to 14.7 million viewers in Nelson's L3 ratings without any boost from streaming. And last time, if you guys remember, season three finale was in August of last year. People were wondering, when is the show going to make an appearance? People were expecting it to return on Father's Day. And I will say that even though we had to wait a bit for season four, it was worth the wait. Because let me tell you, without giving you any spoilers, that two season, per, that two hour premiere, oy, that was something. That was great TV. And this is part of creator Taylor Sheridan's kind of expansion in the TV realm, especially with Paramount. And I actually saw the preview of Mayor of Kingston. It doesn't really have anything to do with conservation. He also has a origin story series of Yellowstone called 1883, which stars Tim McGraw and Faith Hill. That looks super interesting about how the Duttons came to be going from Texas to Montana. That looks really fascinating. I'm hoping to check that out if they have a preview very soon. But here are some interesting metrics. So right now the show is the number one series of 2021 across all of TV. And it is the most watched season premiere, this past one, from 
November 7th on cable since The Walking Dead in 2017. The 14.7 million figure is up 58% compared to Yellowstone Season 3 premiere, which was at 9.3 million, and the show's premiere simulcast across Paramount Net, CMT, Pop, and TV Land is up 66% compared to its Season 3 premiere, 12.7 versus 7.6 million viewers. And it also benefited from a concerted promotional push across MTV Entertainment channels. And according to Weekly Streaming Insights, Yellowstone was the top watch show in many markets near the Wyoming home of the National Park and the Montana Ranch where the series is filmed, including Billings, Butte, Bozeman, Helena, and Great Falls in Montana, Casper in China, Wyoming, and Idaho Falls, Jackson, and Twin Falls in Idaho. Yellowstone also did well in cities that are more heavily agriculture and livestock focused. Very interesting. Such as Abilene, Amarillo, Boise, Cedar Rapids, Des Moines, Evansville, Laredo, Lexington, Louisville, Lubbock, Topeka, and Wichita. And they write that those tractor supply and Ram truck branded media buys were not in vain. So read that for yourself. If you have not checked out the show, begin from the first season, first episode, and catch up. Because if you just start and you watch, you're not going to understand kind of the factors at play. And if you're a returning viewer like I am, just watch new episodes every Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern. And this is not a plug. I'm not being reimbursed, but I'm trying to be informative and tell you guys when you can catch the show, especially if you have cable TV which I still do. I don't really do streaming, which is unusual for millennials, but it's a great program. Kevin Costner and the cast of characters that are included have superb acting. The cinematography is beautiful. The themes, if you love conservation, ranching, Native American affairs, private property rights, and that overlap, this is the show for you. So it has kind of some real world, real day applications with a little splice of drama for you makes for great tv it's an enjoyable show again the content may not be suitable for those of you who are more sensitive but i can assure you it is a quality program you'll find something to like thank you for listening to the show i hope you enjoyed this episode make sure you're following us on your preferred podcast player we like to recommend apple Podcasts because apple is where most of our listenership hails from so if you head over to apple subscribe comb through some episodes and leave us reviews we'd be more than appreciative of your support in that manner follow us on facebook instagram and twitter to never miss a beat nor a guest announcement and you can connect with me personally on my social media feeds all of the facebook twitter and instagram links that i have are all denoted by blue check marks really easy to find me so engage with me there i'd love to hear your thoughts if you want to recommend yourself for the show as a prospective guest i'm all ears to hear and sift through different inquiries I get a lot of requests and my schedule is also quite busy. So you'll see guests come from me. And I'm, but like I said, I'm always open to different guests coming on the show. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for the next episode.